Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of the Scottish Paddlecast. I'm your host, Habi Lytton, and you are listening to episode one of our Coaching Conversation series. We've got a great show lined up today as my co-host Doug McDonald chats to performance coach Sam Miles on all things canoe slalom whilst delving into Sam's pathway to coaching and his coaching methods. For a bit of context, Sam is currently deployed between Bredalbin Canoe Club and the SCA and he's been paddling from the age of 11. Sam's done it all, from grassroots to high performance competitions. This paddling pathway is very interesting to hear. So with all that in mind, take a seat, put your feet up and we hope you enjoy. Well, Sam, thanks very much for for joining us. The kind of the plan for today really is to have a bit of a chat about you and your journey into slalom and into coaching. And I've got some questions. Obviously, you and I have worked together a little bit um, yeah. in terms of your coaching practice. So I'm just interested to unpack that a little bit in, in the next 20 minutes or so. Um, I wonder if you might kick us off, though, for people who are new to you and new to what you do. You're obviously now a um, coach at Bradalbin Canoe Club and with the SCA as a performance slalom coach. Could you just tell us a bit about maybe your journey into paddling and what that's looked like for you? Yeah, so uh, paddling for me was actually quite a random start. Uh, it happened to be when I was at school. It was just one of those sports where we had one of the teachers did it and they basically asked everyone in our year, would you like to come and try uh, paddling out at a local canoe club at uh, Stafford and Stone? And it was just quite a lot of people applied for it from what I understand. And I just was a lucky name out of hat to go have a go. And then, yeah, I went and had a go when I was about, I think I was 11 and then got selected to go into our kind of group of 10 paddlers, which I think it was a group of 10 who got to carry it on. And yeah, had a really fab, fab group, fab coaches and really great club. And it just kind of blossomed a bit from there. Really I had some really good opportunities to kind of paddle once a week. And then that kind of slowly progressed over time and then got into the racing scene. I think fairly early on, actually, I think I was probably racing by the time I was probably 12, probably even in the first year, I probably did a race and then, uh, yeah, really enjoyed the racing side of it and that kind of getting to travel all around the world, uh, well, around the country to start off with and then more around the world. Um, and then, yeah, that really just kind of got an entry into into paddle sports love for me. Um, so I then, suppose... Yeah, and then... Oh, sorry. No, go on, Sam. I was just going to say, and then I guess for actual coaching, that kind of started more as I went to college and did a bit of a... I did an adventure sports course, which was a really cool opportunity to kind of get a little bit more into the outdoor world and into that kind of instructory coaching aspects which I hadn't really had too much to do with before then and I kind of worked my way up some of the uh, beginner coaching qualifications and did some volunteering at the local club and that's kind of where my coaching side of it started to come in. Yeah that's really interesting Sam so you um your introduction to paddling was actually straight into slalom then yeah so we did we did try in um plastic boats to start off with although that was probably only for the first few weeks and then we transitioned into slalom boats i think pretty early on um and then yeah it's been predominantly just doing that that since then but little aspects of other disciplines occasionally but yeah pretty much pretty much all slalom for me most of the time Uh, yeah it's interesting a lot of people would generally come through like a paddling rivers or paddling on the sea or something and then move into one of our competitive disciplines so it's interesting you started there um and then once you started doing a bit of coaching you then ironically went 
the other way and did some recreational paddling. Is that right? Sorry about that. So when you um, then started coaching, you then went and started doing a little bit of recreational paddling. So you kind of went competitive disciplines first and then recreational afterwards. Yeah, exactly. I, I did kind of have the reverse in kind of a, the reverse way around for a lot of people and started to kind of play around with that a little bit more as I as I kind of left the slalom scene a little bit, I kind of went a bit more into that recreational paddling and coaching coaching area. Um, and then kind of went a lot more instructor based. And then I started to build it back into into slalom again. So it was a, a bit of a, a roundabout trip, which yeah. was um, over a few years, but it's been really good to get back into it again. Yeah, I'm, I'm really interested in that. So you were a competitive slalom paddler, <clears throat> then you went off and did this adventure kind of course and you then find yourself doing the recreational instructory kind of route and you then applied that when you back in the discipline I guess you knew best which was slalom I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about what that journey was like having come through that really um outdoor ed if you like route then applying that into slalom whereas generally what I see is people who've come through slalom who then having to learn the skills you might develop in the outdoor environment and I'm just really interested in what that journey was like for you yeah i think it was a it was definitely a big eye-opener for me i think i I think being in a slalom background you're a little bit more sheltered to some of the other areas of paddling and you're a little bit more narrow-minded i guess into to what areas you're focusing on and then it was really kind of like opening up a whole new world of possibilities for me um and meeting kind of new people and trying new new paddling but i guess it kind of brought on to a bit more of a critical way of thinking about things at times um whether that could be a bit more from like a risk assessment kind of uh, perspective um and then it also i think it also just maybe helped me relax a little bit more into paddling as well and maybe uh not be as focused on things like competitions and things like that and kind of maybe enjoy the moment a little bit more than maybe i did when i was younger and it was a bit more competition based um but i think yeah, it was just a bit of a strange going into out the outdoor world, having quite a high level of actual paddling skill, but then having a very low level of actually kind of coaching and outdoor knowledge. So it would be kind of strange sometimes where we would be practicing rescues or or things like that, where I didn't really have much experience at all. But some other people who maybe were quite beginner paddlers would have had tons more experience than me. So there was areas like that, which was really... a uh, really strange to practice i guess but yeah, yeah it, was a, it was a i guess it's the way it happened and i wouldn't wouldn't, wouldn't have it on any other way really yeah no i mean in a minute i'm desperate to explore how that <clears throat> plays out for you in terms of your coaching practice um but for uh, our audience and i'm definitely one of those people lay audience and javi and i are not paddlers at all really We've done a bit of paddling <clears throat> canoe slalom quite a specific niche part of the sport could you explain canoe slalom to the listeners at home who might not have come across it before? What does it look like? What are the boats like? What's it like to do it? Um, how would you just describe it for us? Paint us a picture. Yeah, so slalom really is, is actually, to me, seems quite simple to explain. So all that we do is we, we hang poles over a section of a river uh, and the challenge is, is to go around these poles as quick as you can uh, from a start line to a finish line. Uh, the real 
any real rules that you kind of need to the uh, green means that you go down river through a gate and then red means that you kind of go the direction of against the flow uh, so upstream uh, and then you get penalties if you touch a gate so you get two seconds added on to your total run time and if you miss a gate you get 50 seconds added on to your total run time uh, and then the basic layout of slalom is is that you start off in division four and then you build your way up to premier division uh, which is the top division so kind of a bit like a football almost kind of layout uh, and really all that happens is as in the different divisions the difficulty increases by the type of water that you paddle on and the complexity of the gates and they're the only real two things that i guess change and and, and that's that's kind of slalom summarized i guess for me i don't know if there's any other questions that you guys have about <laughs> about slalom so give us a sense then, what's it like to paddle a slalom course on a race day when you're going flat out through the gates? What, what's that experience like? Yeah, so for me, that, that experience is quite a empty head experience, I guess. There's not a lot going through your mind. Okay. Um, the thing with slalom, especially when you start getting to a higher level, is that you actually go through the course in your head beforehand. So when you're actually practicing, when you're actually doing the course for real in a race run, it should really be as if you've already practiced that course a few times. Um, so in reality, I don't tend to really think of much else than the gate that I'm approaching. And usually the only times where I'm thinking is when a mistake happens. So it maybe kind of kicks me out of no plan that I have, but I tend to just have a plan that you stick to. Um, and yeah, you race as, race as hard as you can. Um, through, through that period and most of the time you don't really I think the times when for me when you tend to actually be thinking at the course is towards the end when you get tired um, and then yeah if you make a mistake really but other than that it's actually quite a in the flow experience where you're just kind of in the moment um, and things are happening and you're kind of doing them and there's not much other thought going into it really. Yeah it's, it's interesting you say that actually the more I talk to um ex-paddlers elite paddlers and so on the more they say that in sprint and slalom actually so um yeah my well my current boss and my former boss both said the same thing about competing at very high levels and winning medals at high level saying actually it's just a process that we execute and we follow it through and you know uh, remy who was a c2 paddler so two-person canoe he said sometimes it was boring and you're like, how can it be boring there's white water everywhere and you're flying down this course it's, oh yeah but you know we, we knew exactly where we were going to be and we just sort of pumped through and you've kind of described it um, really nicely there because to the outsider like me and Habi looks like carnage yeah like there's water everywhere there's people doing crazy things but actually what you're saying is it only appears like that on the outside actually in reality it's quite it's quite calm I'm, I'm interested there um kind of going back to moving towards your coaching now a little bit um obviously you've got your own experiences and your own idea of what you think it's, it's all about I'm wondering how you managed to kind of um balance what you would have done to be successful in slalom versus the needs of your paddlers, which might be quite different. And I'm wondering how you kind of separate out, well, this is what I would have done, but I can see that that's not going to work for you. And I'm wondering how you kind of navigate that space. Yeah, so I, so the main thing for me for, for coaching is that I always have it as an individual and then I coach an individual as well. So I do try to, to bear that in mind. Um, my own paddling experience, I tend to only really use if I'm maybe trying to figure out a sequence myself, um, if it's a particularly tricky one or 
uh, if it's a paddler who I think maybe have a similar paddling style, I might try and think about how I would do it. But in general, I actually try to let the paddler tell me how they think they'll do it. And um, and I tend to find that works works quite well. I sometimes give them some ideas of other ways they could potentially do it and give them some options. But a lot of the time I, I let them kind of figure it out. And I think that helps them be confident in what they decide as well. I think one of the challenges with slalom is that it can become so complex and we can give them so many possibilities that you can really overload a paddler if you're not careful. And I think the paddler myself, someone might have said to do a gate a certain way, which maybe I wasn't as confident with. And then that's usually not gone gone quite as well as maybe just going it for the way which which suits that individual. So I think that's always something to bear in mind. But, but yeah, some it's a bit of a fine line between the two two options, I guess. Yeah, and it's really interesting. One thing I find fascinating about slalom coaches is you have this highly complex, highly dynamic whitewater environment. And in your case, you're coaching some quite young paddlers. And I'm wondering how you managed to get them to embrace the complexity of their environment without completely blowing their minds every time they go in the water and in terms of how you design sessions. So I'm guess just interested in how you balance up those two things. Yeah, so so for me, for a lot of time for, for a session, um, I tend to have a rough plan of uh, what I'm going to do. So that usually involves kind of maybe having a focus on uh, a stagger, for example. And I tend to set goals. And a lot of the time I find I'm coaching people of a bit of a variety of different skill levels. And then I let them have a go at the course and see how they do. Um, the, the, the interesting thing with canoe slalom is that it doesn't tend to get easier as you get better at slalom. It actually is always getting harder because you, you're approaching things at a faster speed. So as you get better at slalom, you, you're actually going faster at gates. So you could go to a division four competition, which in theory is the easiest course on the easiest uh, water. But for me, actually, and I think for a lot of other paddlers, it's actually just as technical at times as it can be when you go and paddling at a place like Lee Valley on the Olympic course. Um, you've got some different variables to think about, but it's actually at the same similar sort of speed. And and yeah, it can it can throw some spanners in the works if you're not not being careful. But I think yeah, just generally, I just try to keep a a, quite an open course which uh paddlers can kind of have have a go at and almost teach themselves in a way um on that course okay what do you mean by teach themselves in a way i'm interested to unpack that a little bit yeah so so so, so if i've set a stagger for example uh a lot of the time for people they might want to try a few different ways to start off with so the, the cool thing about slalom is that you can have so many different possibilities of trying gates. So for example, they might try a sequence of gates um, forwards. So just using things like sweeps and bar rivers, or they might try it with a spin involved. So they might uh, try a spin in a kind of a half a circle on, on part of the course, or uh, they might just maybe even try some kind of, try one of the gates as a downs as an up. And there's all these different possibilities and a lot of the time I find, especially for younger people, just letting them have the first few kind of experimental goes at the course, uh, it kind of breaks down that 
world of possibilities into a few different possibilities. So it makes it a lot simpler then because they've gone from, I can try this a thousand ways. And then usually by the time they think about, okay, I'm going to do it this way, they've probably narrowed it down to three or four poss possible ways of doing it. And then once they've had a, they've had a practice, they usually have probably only got one or two ways that they actually think, okay, that's probably going to be the way that, that works well for me. Okay, so kind of supporting them in terms of finding their own their own journey into it then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, nice, really nice. It was one of the things that struck me the first time I watched you coach was just this real confidence to keep it incredibly simple. I mean, you ran this amazing session with just four gates. There was no complexity. It was just like go through number one, two, three, and four, and then one, two, and four, and then one, three, and four. And through that, they kind of found for themselves. And uh, yeah, it was just really, really lovely to watch a coach just quite happy to play around with that. It was yeah, yeah, really great. I kind of looking at the time a little bit and co conscious of um, wrapping this up. I'm I guess interested in if you were giving advice to other young coaches coming in, young slalom coaches particularly, and um, what kind of advice might might you offer them in in terms of um, the, their journey and things that you might have um, learned more quickly if you'd done it differently. Um, I think. Trust, trust the paddlers, I think would be a big one. They, a lot of the time, they know what they're doing and they know what works well for them. Um, I think trust in yourself as well that you can actually set a course which works well. And usually, I think keeping it fairly simple on the course design is always a real big plus if you're coaching slalom or any discipline, really keeping it quite, quite simple. Um, and then also uh, allowing things to play out, maybe not to plan. So I think having too strict a plan is more likely to to be a disadvantage than an advantage because a lot of the times with the nature of uh, being on the river, uh, things change quite quickly and being able to adapt to them really, really helps a lot. And I find myself many a time planning on doing uh, a session where maybe we're focused on doing upgates and actually suddenly it's turned into a massive focus on on staggers or on forward paddling or something like that a lot of times I tend to find sessions evolve uh, while you're there and I think just go with that and and kind of trust that that it'll be helpful to the paddlers in some ways and and, and I think 99% of the time it, it does work out quite well so yeah just trust yourself and and have fun as well I mean we're out here, we're doing a sport and we're coaching really keen individuals who who all have the different goals and make it fun for them, make it fun for yourself and you'll have a great time. Yeah, no, great. Thanks, Sam. Um, I love that idea that learning doesn't happen in a straight line, right? So you might need to move around a bit before we get where you want to go. I, I guess my last question for you really was um, how you're kind of continuing that that feeling and that work now that we're, we're obviously not seeing each other in person. How, how are you trying to keep that momentum and that feeling and that enjoyment going um through the next few weeks yeah it's been it's been a real real challenge trying to come up with ideas and it's it's been very experimental uh trying things over your google hangouts your zooms uh all sorts of kind of video uh, conversations with paddlers and just hoping that that works well um i've been doing a lot of kind of sessions at home with with that's been things like doing gym sessions, yoga sessions, uh, all getting involved together and doing that. And it just kind of means that we're staying in touch. Uh, and then also just setting some 
some different challenges for people at times and some little competitions, whether that be out running or uh, looking at some video from international events, things like that. Just trying to keep people involved in the sport and and really trying to just, just stay connected, I think, is the big thing. I think the worst thing that we can do at the moment is is lose touch. So I think just staying in touch with the paddlers, even if we're not doing things that are actually that paddle focused, I think just being in touch with them is is a really big help. So there you have it, our first podcast, and what a story. That was fantastic to hear from Sam and his journey through paddling. The way he breaks it down simply in his explanations and how he delivers his coaching is truly inspiring. Simplicity is key. Like I mentioned shortly before, I don't have much of a paddle sports background, but hearing Sam has me counting down the days until we can all get back in the water. We hope you enjoyed listening to this. This is our first ever podcast and we do have a whole series lined up. So keep an eye out on our social media for the next one. If you've enjoyed this, please hit subscribe and let us know by tweeting us at Scottish Canoe Association, tag us in your Instagram stories, post up on Facebook, spread that paddle sports love. We're aware that these are challenging times, but hopefully when this is all over, we can all go for a paddle. Stay safe, folks, and we'll catch you next time.